Meow, everyone, and welcome along to a special episode of Queers at Play. It's our Games of the Year episode. Yes, 2020 has finally come to an end. Um, so to wish you all a happy new queer, um, we're going to talk about some of our Games of the Year. Um, I am, as always, joined by Mark. Hello. And by Ruben. Hiya. Um, and the way we're going to do this is um, we're going to take turns talking about um, games. We're going to talk about five games each um we'll also have a chance to talk about your listeners choice or do we call it audience choice audience whatever we choice. call it choice your audience choice game of the year um as well so um mark would you like to set the ball rolling with your first game hello yes um i i thought long and hard about my choices uh for game of the year and i've certainly got I've got seven or eight in my list in total, so I'm sure we'll have some honourable mentions a bit later on. But I think uh, for my first game, I am going to pick Astro's Playroom. Ooh. Stolen okay. one from my list. Stolen one from my <laughs> list. Oh, I'm sorry, Will. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Yes. Um, I just thought that that game was, for a free packing game that came with a PlayStation 5, was just an absolute delight. It perfectly highlighted, I think, everything that Sony wanted to show off about the mm-hmm. new, new DualSense controller. Uh, mm-hmm. It was gorgeous to look at. It was a hell of a lot of fun to play. And it was my first ever PlayStation Platinum trophy. So that just shows how much I enjoyed that sort of five or six hour experience yeah um, it was my first sorry go on. i was gonna say I, I can't recommend it highly enough for anybody that's picked up a playstation 5 to spend four or five hours playing that game definitely definitely if you've got a ps5 dive into it um it was my first platinum as well um and i just i really agree it's a really solid platformer um as i've discussed a bit in the past and to, to have such a good such a solid such a fun platformer as a packing game you can't really complain, can you? No, absolutely and, not. Yeah, I, I, I third this. This, this wasn't. Uh, this, this game wasn't on my like top five games of the year, but it was definitely under consideration. Um, like I, I echo everything that like you two have said, and also I just wanted to to add on that I didn't realize until playing Astro's Playroom how much nostalgia I had for PlayStation as a franchise until i mm-hmm. played astro's playroom and i was just like oh that's that's a reference to a game that's like fucking 20 years old and like yep. collecting the uh collecting the uh like actual hardware the, yep. the playstation hardware as you went through the game so like the the playstation one multi-tap that i remember having and um just like there's there, there was just so much nostalgia for something that i didn't realize i had as much nostalgia for as i do clearly do um it's yeah it's and just just walking around those worlds and just how well considered every single level in this game actually is from mechanical Mm -hmm. and also from aesthetic and everything is just amazing absolutely and anybody that's got the psvr i thoroughly recommend picking up the uh the psvr game starring astro rescue bot mission rescue i can't remember what it's called Something along those lines. <laughs> but it is just as good as that experience, but a, a more full-length platformer. 
Well, it seems like we've got a lot of consensus on on the first pick, which is good because my second well, pick is going to be more divisive. <laughs> I think we might know what that might be. Um, Reburn, onto you for your first pick. Okay, once again, like Mark, heavily, heavily um, thought about these these things because I I play a lot of games as because uh, it's my job. So. Um, there was a lot of games to pick from for for this year, um, but the first uh, pick for me uh, is Streets of Rage Four, mm-hmm. um, which I believe um, I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of that series anyway. Uh, I've played the first three games to death. Uh, the whole kind of side scrolling um, trash them up like sort of thing is is very much one of my kind of childhood genres that I really enjoyed and I still really enjoy. Um, I've played a lot of the more recent iterations of that and the Scott Pilgrim versus the world game is also in that genre. Um, but like Streets of Rage 4 is one of those incredible achievements that only happens um, every so often in which someone creates a sequel to a long deceased franchise that is not only a perfect homage and kind of very, very respectful of the originals, but also adds to it in ways that you really wouldn't have expected to to, to even been thought of. And yet it all works as a cohesive package. And Streets of Rage 4 is just a fucking incredible game. Um and they've and the the the, recent, the the patch they released that changed everything in that game also just added the challenge more. It made some of the bosses harder, some of the bosses easier. Um changed the way that some of the characters worked because the way that the new combo system in the game works means that some characters had infinite fucking combos, which <laughs> means that you could just oh, wow. decimate anything in the game if you nailed that combo. And it's just, it was just a bit much. But um, the fact that they made it online as well, online multiplayer, as well as couch co-op multiplayer, like it was just such yeah. a great achievement. I mean, um, it's the and- kind of genre that really would benefit from a online multiplayer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, if you look at some of the more recent examples of the, the the genre, like Castle Crashers, Castle Crashers has full online co-op up to four players, which is just an incredible idea uh, for that sort of game anyway. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, the definitive edition of Scott Pilgrim that comes out in January, um, that also has online co-op now, which is a great a great idea. Um, but yeah, like I've I own. Thanks to Game Pass, I actually own Streets of Rage 4 on three platforms now. Wow. Um, <laughs> and one of those is physical. I bought the limited edition physical version that Limited Run Games did uh, for Switch. It's it honestly, it's it's such a it's such a good thing to see a new game in a franchise not being shit. Um, that, that in itself is an achievement that I think this game, that the game industry really needs to achieve more often. And um, certainly that's the same kind of message we got from those who nominated it in our audience choice, um, including Peter, who describes Street of Rage 4 as an old style Bash the Goon action game with an amazing soundtrack that stands up to the original triad of games, which sounds pretty yeah. much like what you've been saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. couldn't put it better. Um, so will... Yeah, on to me. Um, So my first pick um, for our games of the year is Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Um, I love me some Xenoblade. I really, really do. 
Um, I'd played Xenoblade Chronicles before. I played it on the 3DS, but never completed it. Um, and I finally completed the game. Yay! Um, and had just had so much, so, so, so much fun playing it. I think it's just a really wonderful game. Um, it's been ported exceptionally well to Switch. What a glow up, those visuals, going from all of those muddy Wii and 3DS textures to character models that look like they have actual faces. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's just, to me, it's going to be one of those modern classic JRPGs because it's got such a good battle system. It's so much fun. Um, its story is moving and twisty and convoluted and up and down. And if you're not in tears, then I don't know what's what's up with you if you're not in tears by the end of the game. Um, but yeah, I thought it was great. And actually, I also discovered the point that I'd reached on 3DS, where I thought I was really far through the game, was in fact less than halfway through the game. <laughs> so, you know, also like in true JRPG style, if you want a game that's going to give you value for money in terms of playtime, um, you are going to get it from Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. Um, and I also really enjoyed um, Future Connected, which is the um, extra, the extra bit if that makes sense, that they've created. Um, it's effectively the add-on content. It takes place after um, the events of Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, so it's called Future Connected. So it's it's kind of trying to give us a glimpse to where the series is going to go next, apparently, which is exciting as well. Um, but yeah, Xenoblade, Monolith Soft, give us more. I just want more. I can't comment on this. I've not played it. However, I did immensely dislike Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So I opted out of the, the, re- the remaster of the first one. Which, I mean, I think is fair. You know, not everyone's going to like um, action JRPGs of that style. Um, also, a lot of the, Ze- a lot of the Xenoblade Chronicles... Well, all three of the Xenoblade Chronicles games are pretty similar. So if you didn't like one of them, you're probably not going to like the others. Um, I once yeah. again, once again, I had Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition on my list, but it was one of the like last cuts. I think it was the second to last cut I made from my list. Yeah. Um, it's a fantastic game. It's a fantastic version of an already fantastic game. Um, and to add, the only thing I can add to what you said, Will, because you pretty much summed up my feelings on the game entirely, is the amount of QOL. Mm-hmm stuff they had put into the new version like making the menus actually legible was such a great (laughs) achievement um changing all of the fonts in the game so they're actually readable um and weren't too small like they were in the original um oh little things like um for all of those collectibles around the world they made it so that if one is in one of your quest logs it comes up in red rather than in blue so that you're not just wandering around aimlessly picking up collectibles to try and find the one that you're looking for yep um the fact that like all of the menus every single one of them is so much easier to navigate in definitive edition than it was in the original is just incredible as well um the ability oh my god this is such a small thing and but i want this in more games um because it exists in 14 um specifically the ability to cover over any armor you're wearing with any other armor of your choosing oh yep yep (laughs) holy fuck like yeah yeah yeah. so now in xenoblade chronicles rather than having a mismatched like 
like hodgepodge of different armor pieces like you did in the original you can still have that but then you can essentially glamour over them to make it a full set <laughs> it's just and in a really easy points. menu they made that they made that a really easy thing to do rather just, than a, a difficult complicated thing to do and you can if you want to have um shulk and why can't i remember the name of the other the other young one young guy ryan ryan there we go thank you um if you want to have them just wandering around in their pants for the entire game you can um but strangely they don't have any nipples yeah well, well that's a video game thing is it no video game characters have nipples um apart from zagreus we'll get to that um <laughs> but he only um, has the, he only has the one though well, the other one's covered up. He he definitely. Well, has you can't, two. you can't, you can't definitively say he's got two. You're you're right, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Xenoblade Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition is to to echo what you were saying, Will. It is going to be, I believe, like you said, one of the modern classic JRPGs. It's going to mm-hmm. be for a long for for a long time. It's gonna. It, this is going to be the sort of game that people are talking about in year in years to come. The same way that people talk about like Chrono Trigger, and, yeah. and games yeah. like that. It's it's going to be one of those easily. And it's and it's so exciting to have had it on Switch because it's made it um, accessible to a lot more people. Because you know, if you want to get a copy of Xenoblade Chronicles on Wii, it will set you back a pretty penny nowadays. Um, it probably does even to go and get it on 3DS because you know it's. Well, and to play it on 3DS, you have to have a new 3DS. You know, it doesn't work on on an original 3DS. So, you know, it's made it much more accessible. It's sold like hotcakes, as did Xenoblade Chronicles 2. So, you know, I assume it, it means good things for what Monolith Soft are going to be able to go off and do in future. Um, because, you know, this is a game that has sold much better, as is always the story with Nintendo Switch, um, than it did the first time around. It sold something like 5 million copies, I think, last time I'd looked. Um Yes, yeah, so it's getting into lots of people's hands, which is really, really good for such a such a solid JRPG. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark, hello, back to well, you. Well, I think you both know what I'm about to say. <laughs> One of my games of the year was Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm-hmm. Now, I know both of your thoughts on this game. I think we've discussed it at length multiple times on the podcast. However, I looked back at the games that came out this year and the games that I enjoyed the most. Now, I'm not saying that like Xenoblade Chronicles Remastered, this is going to go down in history as one of the greatest JRPGs of all time. However, it goes down as one of the games I got the most enjoyment out of playing this year that came out this year. And for that reason, that's why it's in my list. Um, Which is a fair reason for it to be in your list. I thought it was um, gorgeous to look at. The music and audio direction was brilliant. Uh, For me, I know you weren't a big fan, Will, but for me, the way that I like to play games, the combat system worked very well for me. Um, And overall, I enjoyed the extended look at Midgar and sort of really gelling, well, not gelling, really um, sort of getting to know the characters and the people that live there in a way that you didn't in the original game, which I think made the ending of the game far more impactful. (laughs) Stun silence. Excellent. (laughs) I... 
I would rather this podcast be a positive celebration of 2020. So there's not really much positive I can say about Seven Remake um, <laughs> that either you haven't said already or I would actually agree with. Um, the only thing, the only thing I would. I, I think a lot of my thing with Seven Remake is just how disappointing I found it. Not that it was a bad game per se. It had some bad design decisions, in my opinion, but it wasn't a bad game per se. It's just I was disappointed with it overall. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't, appreciate the fact that people really loved that game hmm. um especially seeing as a lot of my a lot of my things on it are just things that i personally know that i personally have an issue with um so like i have a real issue with namura storytelling i think like namura mm-hmm. has a habit of over mystifying shit to the point that it just becomes really banal and frustrating for me to try and follow uh the whole cloaked guys thing in seven remake i was just like oh fucking namura get out um the moment they appeared i was like oh okay um but really the biggest negative i have and it's the last thing i'm going to say on seven remake is that if you are having a battle system in which mp and spells are tied to a resource such as ap like they are in seven remake don't be shitty enough to make it so that if your spell is interrupted for any reason, you still lose the AP and lose the MP without the spell. That is really shitty. And the fact that you even thought that was a good mechanic is shitty of you. And that's... I, I, I certainly know we discussed that at the time, didn't we? We, we both died a number of times because your your healer got interrupted and and you'd lost the ability points and the magic points so you're like but now do I, how do i heal um i have to I, say yeah, that for I'm... me for me that was the only place that was a real problem was on the hellhouse boss oh the hellhouse I just, boss I was a know. piece of shit yeah i, I don't know how you both was i got the... through it in one go so i was like i was so like you were like all oh, the hellhouse boss the hellhouse boss and i got there and i was like eh, was that it <laughs> i had such a trouble with that piece of shit <laughs> i think it took <laughs> me i think it took me four attempts to do the hellhouse boss but every other boss every other battle didn't have a problem at all um i am i guess i'm in the same camp as reuben we know what i think i'm disappointed for me i'm pleased for others um i'm also pleased that a good friend of of all of ours who had never played final fantasy 7 before um he played it and actually had very similar opinions to me then, because of all of this, went off and played Final Fantasy VII and had a wonderful, amazing time, and he just never got around to Final Fantasy VII, and this was kind of the, the nudge in the right direction that he needed. Um, so I shall let our listeners speak for me instead. Um, lovely Marvy, when he nominated Final Fantasy VII Remake, said, if you need a game to make me want to play a series and showcase Square Enix's grand polish, this is it. The characters and combat alone deserve more respect. And... Um, Ever wonderful friend of the show, Corey, says um, it was everything I wanted it to be and more. The battle system was fluid and deep enough that it wasn't daunting, but still took skill to become proficient at. It changed up the story enough to keep it interesting. It was beautiful. 
There we go. Well done, Marvin and Corey. <laughs> <laughs> we know we're in the minority, Ruben and I. So, but yeah. it appears to be. It appears to be. It is. It does appear to have been a bit of a Marmite game because there are those of us who are in this absolutely against it camp. Um, and then there are the adores at camper. There doesn't seem to be too much in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> um, well, it's polarized fair. views, um, which you know, there's an extent to which good art should polarize views because otherwise, are you really taking risks? So, Ruben. Ruben. Okay, it's time for part one of the Ruben is predictable train. Demon Souls. Never saw Obviously. that Obviously. <laughs> Wait, you like the Demon Souls games? I am. I, I am. I, I. I have a passing interest in the Souls <laughs> franchise. I um, think, to be honest, Ruben, this is the first time you said Demon Souls on the podcast without going fucking Demon Souls. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get to that. Um, so, for those uninitiated, Demon Souls was the first From Software game that essentially kicked off the Souls franchise and has now spawned in almost infinite amount of Souls-like games. Um, Demon Souls was originally released on the PS3, but Bluepoint Games, the fucking geniuses behind the Shadow of the Colossus remake, um, have remade Demon Souls for the PS5. I say remade, but I think the, I would define it as closer to a remaster than a remake, because they have changed very little about the game. Um, they have added a couple, not many, quality of life changes. So, for instance, it's now easier to match with friends uh, if you're doing the summoning system um, than it was in the original because they've incorporated the password system in where if you're doing summoning and you and the person, other person have the same password, it matches you as opposed to uh, matching you with fucking anyone, which is what the, it used to be. Um, it's a good game. It's kicking my ass. Um, as every Souls franchise game does, because I have very little patience, which is not a surprise to anyone. Um, I can attest to that, having been on voice chat with Ruben before this and hearing hearing him <laughs> having his ass kicked. So I make mistakes, um, and those mistakes in a Souls game cost you quite significantly. Um, but yeah, Demon Souls, it's absolutely fucking gorgeous on PS5. The lighting effects alone are astounding. The fact that the sheer upgrade in visual, for, visual fidelity of the game versus the original PS3 version is that you can now fucking see things, which is a benefit, you'd believe, um, to being able to play a game like that. Uh, you can actually see enemies outlined from the arena so demanding from... wanting to see them <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's I, I i'm so entitled wanting to be able to see what's going to kill me <laughs> um as much as i put it on my games of the year list and it is one of my games of the year quite easily the reason it's not higher the reason i don't consider it to be higher is because blue point games had a perfect opportunity to improve on some of the shit that really did need improving upon um for demon souls which they did not um to use one example, I'm only going to use one example here for time reasons, uh, and I have many. Um, the summoning system, they could have improved it. Um, summoning in Souls has always been a difficult thing. It always, always involves a resource of some description, of which that resource is always fucking consumable. Mark can attest to that because of Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, 
However, there are just so many addition, like blood, um, Demon Souls has more additional layers on top in terms of prerequisites for summoning, which is a pain in the dick. So to summon a player to help you, you have to be in human form. To be in human form, you either have to have used a consumable resource or you have to have killed a boss to be human. Mm-hmm. That's the first layer. The second layer, to be summoned, to place your signs so that other players can summon you, you need to be in soul form, which means you need to already have died once. So for you and a friend to work together, one of you has to be human and one of you has to be dead. That is so difficult to fucking coordinate. (laughs) Because if you... Let's just say, because this has happened, I've been playing the game in co-op with a friend. Let's just say you and a friend have just beaten a boss together, being summoned. The moment you, as the dead player, defeat a boss, you automatically become human. (laughs) So then you have to kill yourself... To be able to be summoned again. That oh, is that really where you were going? I heard you talking about having to go and kill yourself. I was like, yeah. I'm sure this can't be the way to play this game, but apparently it is. Yes, it is. So you have to kill yourself to be able to be summoned again. So, but the thing which is irritating about that is other games that are Souls-likes have done the summoning system so much fucking better. And Bluepoint had an opportunity to make it not a convoluted fucking mess, but they decided not to and to keep it authentic to the original which is... I, wonder, I wonder how much of these decisions was in their control, though. I mean, true, but you had the opportunity. But anyway, like, it's a fantastic game. It's beautiful. It's punishing. It's horrid. Um, it will beat your ass down to a pulp and then expect you to survive. Like, it's it's everything I wanted from it. It's just it's not got the other things I wanted from it. That's <laughs> I will continue playing this game into 2021. It's, it's going to happen. Um, I'm, I think, four bosses in. Um, I've taken a break from trying to make progress because progress was like slamming my head against a wall uh, to go back and start helping other players get through the earlier stuff, which then gets me resources that I can use to level up and stuff so I can tackle the later stuff myself easier. Um, yeah, loving it. But yeah, Demon Souls, play it if you got the patience if you fancy a game that is horrid um a word you don't often use he used to describe a game of the year demon souls is there for you yep um so my next pick is a game that i know that we've all played um my next pick is four guys ultimate knockout um because it definitely is it it occupied so much of my time in the summer um, I've actually just recently gone back to it and started season three and I'm falling in love with it again. Um, it's just fun. It's such a simple game. It's one of those It's one of those games that you look at and you're like, this is so simple. It's such genius. Why did no one ever do it before? And yet no one has ever done it before. And it's also been executed so well. You know, um, <sighs> it's just genius. It's fun. I think it's exactly what we all needed in the summer when we were playing it a fair chunk together as friends and with other friends because we just needed some really light-hearted relief 
from all of the 2020-ness. Um, and it's the way as well it just took over, it took over the internet. It was everywhere. Um, it really it really was one of those those moments in gaming um, when the conversation becomes about one game and everyone kind of rallies behind this one game. Um, it's not without its flaws. Um, it definitely has flaws. You know, there are, they still need to do more work on, on, you know, changing some of the stages in the main show. You know, there are still changes to be made there that I, I don't doubt will happen season by season. Gradually things are going to evolve. Um, it would be great to see it on more platforms. Um, and it would be brilliant to see it with crossplay so that more people can partake. And because it does hold me back from playing with people so much, because I know that I need to find someone who's playing it on PS4 who's going to be wanting to go and log in on their PS4 rather than then pick up their Switch or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's fun and it's 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 just kind of irreverent fun at that mm-hmm. as well. And and who doesn't love as Ruben saw on Monday? Um, thinking you're doing really well and then just suddenly getting yeeted literally <laughs> into the heavens. And yeah, I can attest to this. I played I played this over the summer. It was a hell of a lot of fun. Just pure escapism. Didn't really require any particular skill at the game. Everybody had a fair chance at winning a round. Um and a game like that has to be celebrated because I think there are a lot of games out there where, you know, it just feels impossible to win because people have been playing it, you know, playing them so much <laughs> that yep. you just stand no chance of winning. But this, it's it's a fair every man for themselves, every person for themselves game. Well, I think it's equally unfair. I think oh, that's well, equally unfair. It's... Yes. <laughs> it's either equally fair or equally unfair, whichever way you want to look at that equation. Yeah, I, I echo the same. Um, Four Guys was um, listed in, on my honourable mentions for this, so if no one had mentioned it, I was going to bring it up at some point. Yeah, it's it's just a fantastic and just fun and stupid concept, and it's just mm-hmm. it's so enjoyable to play that game. And my biggest gripe with the game, actually, they've repaired in Season 3, so I'm... Um, because there was an issue with earlier seasons in which if you received a connection issue, um, it would invalidate any successes you'd had on that run and just mm-hmm. put you back to the beginning. Now in season three, I don't know whether this was brought in in season two or not. Um, if you, let's just say you get a connection issue in the fourth, the fourth stage, you will still get the wins for the first three stages. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Fuck, what a great little addition that is because um connection issues occur over fuck all in that game um so it's good that you still get the you still get the you still get the bonuses for succeeding even if you get booted um back to the beginning um and as much as i didn't like season two i thought season two was season two felt like a 0.5 update as opposed to a point uh, a 1.0 update um It didn't feel like they changed enough. But season three, however... Like, season three is so much fun. The new stages are great. The new yeah. fucking costumes are just dumb. Um, like <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really enjoyable game. And I'm really glad that it kind of set the world alight as it did. 
Yeah, and I was saying one final point for me to make, I think, coming off of what Mark was saying about kind of like anyone can ha- play and have a chance is that I think that universality was was one of the things that really caught the world on fire as well. Like I can think I was sat playing it and Mark, my husband, was like, oh, when you're done, you know, can can you log me in and, and my account so I can play it? Um, you know, and he doesn't play many games, that kind of thing that people would see it and they're just like, that looks like fun and I want that. I want to partake in that. Um, Mark. Hello. I'm hoping my third choice will be far less divisive than my second choice. Uh, and I and I think, I think I'm going to be right with that. Uh, my third choice is Spider-Man, Mars Morales. I expected this higher. Well, I, I, as I said earlier, my choices aren't in any particular order. Oh, okay. Um, I do have an overall game of the year, um, but the other four choices aren't in any particular order. So, yeah, this is my third pick. Um, I mean, almost just for Spider-Cat alone, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I thought it was... You know, it, it got some criticism for being short. I thought it was a perfect story, well told, with no padding. Um, I didn't think it needed to be any longer than it was. Um, it had heart. Um, it it was a story about family in many ways. Um, it was gorgeous to look at. You know, the, the additions that they made to the uh, existing Spider-Man engine, the, you know, the, the ray tracing, etc., just added an extra level of polish to a game that already on the PlayStation 4 looked pretty pretty stunning. Um, swinging around as Spider-Man, as ever, was an absolute delight. And the additions of Mars's new power set over Peter Parker's um, just really gave the opportunity to play in a very different way and sort of made, made the combat feel different enough from the original that you really did feel like you were playing a different Spider-Man, which mm. I think could have been difficult to pull off if they were, um, you know, if they were trying to build this as a, as a sequel and you were still playing as Peter Parker. I think I think they're going to have that challenge when it comes to the full sequel, is how do you make this feel different enough from the original if the, the full sequel has you playing as Parker again but at the same time I think having maybe this Miles Morales game in the middle is quite a nice palette cleanser so when they do go back to I assume a sequel where you'll probably be split between both Miles and Peter but yeah it's just yeah an absolute delight to play um, and I really enjoyed it yeah seconded um I mean, the, 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 you you made like the biggest point I had about um, Miles Morales anyway, um, which is one of my which was one of my substitutions um, substitution picks just in case. Um, to echo really what Mark was saying, um, it was really a story about family. Um, just that, not to spoil too much, but the kind of opening kind of couple of hours in which it was Christmas Eve was just such a heartwarming and kind of wholesome. Um, sequence um and this was only echoed with um well throughout the game because it was a it was very much a familial group that was all working together or against each other or whatever um throughout the game um and it was just oh it's just such a such such a good game um and 
once again, echoing Mark, really just on Spider-Cat alone, um, <laughs> that game deserves all of the praise it gets. I mean, I've not played it yet, um, so I'm not able to add anything. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. Um, you both know the reason I've not played it yet is because I've what I decided to dive into first was Spider-Man Remastered, um, which I'm really enjoying. And, you know, I echo the stuff about the how beautiful that engine is looking um, in its remastered format. So I'm, I'm really, really excited to play it. Um, I just need to stop playing quite so much Final Fantasy XIV so that I can finish Spider-Man Remastered and then make some progress on my backlog. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, I'm just checking. No, I didn't pull out any comments about it. So we will go on to Reuben and your next game. If found. Mm-hmm. I have gone back and forth on this game quite a lot this year. Um, I reviewed it and I think I only gave it like a 7 or an 8 out of 10 Um, but since reviewing it and since playing it through I found that that game has kind of stayed with me the experience of playing it has stayed with me since Um, and it's very rare that a game does that where emotionally kind of it's got it's got its claws into you emotionally speaking so it kind of stays with you as on that level It's, it's very rare that a game but I have a game that has that sort of effect. Um, if Found is a visual novel of sorts, um, but you're playing out um, essentially the Christmas, a, a December, um, as um, a trans girl called Cassio. Um, and the way you play out this period is through her diary um and the event and the events that are listed with uh, listed within it the only kind of interaction really you have with the game is that you are playing as an eraser and you erase her diary and erase the events that happened um and it's such a emotionally powerful effect that that has um that has stuck with me quite considerably ever since um the events are quite simple but they're so grounded and feel so real mm-hmm. um and there's 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 a subplot about the world ending as well like there's an a and a b plot and the b plot is significantly less but it's in interwoven throughout the main one um of the world is going to end um and it's just such a, it, it's such an astoundingly powerful lgbtq story um that really i i would suggest that anyone play it um just for the realistic representation of these characters um and the and the power that this the 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 realistic representation actually um puts across it, I mean, it sounds really interesting. Everyone that everything that everyone has said about it makes me want to mm. to play it. I mean, it's not a long game. I think it's. I, th- I think I I started it and I got hooked into it, uh, and I finished it in a single evening. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. But that doesn't matter. Like, 
I think we're all very much, all three of us are advocates of the fact that a long game does not necessarily mean a good game and a short game does not mean a bad game. Um, it's what is done with that length of time that is mm-hmm. the most important with any game. And if yeah. found does so much with its short runtime, um, that regardless of what I, this is, this is the problem with being a game reviewer. Like my views on a game when I'm reviewing it may not necessarily be my lasting impression of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that works both ways. Like there's a game that I could absolutely love and then I review it and I return to it and I'm like, why did I, why did I rave about this game so much? And it also works the other way. So like with If Found, although I didn't give it like a 10 out of 10, in terms of how, in terms of the impact that has had on my year as a game, it is a 10 out of 10, but I didn't give it at the time. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's an incredibly powerful game with an even more powerful message. And yeah, definitely game of the year. Well, I think that's definitely one I should check out when I get an opportunity. I am in agreement. Um, I am definitely going to do that. And I think it sounds like, as you say, it's it's short. So it sounds like for me, mm-hmm. one of those games that would be quite a nice, special one-off string. Um, you know, play it in one sitting and experience that with with my my audience. Uh, next up then from me is um, a little game we like to call Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, um, which I think probably won't be a surprise to the two of you because you know how much I enjoyed when I played Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition earlier in the year. Um, you heard that. Um, it's it's really good fun. It's really, really good fun. I totally take on board um, what I remember... I think what I remember you saying, Ruben, during your review period of it, that, you know, one of the ways it builds on the original is that the characters really start to feel much more like different characters. I felt like you could you could go through Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition and it didn't matter which character you're playing as, really, it's all just the same. Um, whereas they start to feel much more distinctly different in Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, whether that is how um, the particular weapons they're using kind of play out, whether that's Rivali's ability to fly above the arena and you're shooting things from the air, um, whether that is how their specials differ, which can differ quite substantially. You know, it's just, it's it, it brings so much more variety um, than I feel that was in Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition. Um, it's another game I'm yet to finish. Um, I do need to get onto that and finish it. I have so many unfinished games at the moment. Um, but I'm really enjoying the story. Um, it's nice to have that story. Um, I do, again, have some gripes with it. Um, I am not a big fan of the stages in The Divine Beasts. I feel like they went, oh, we've got to let you be able to pilot The Divine Beasts. And then it just kind of ends up a bit strangely op um not actually as satisfying as you think it might be um from having seen them in hyrule warriors not in hyrule warriors in in breath of the wild it would help if i could reference the correct game um i also don't like the way that all of the levels are accessed through a map i just find that it's a map that actually in a way that breath of the wild categorically was not it is a map that is just littered with icons absolutely everywhere and i find it a bit overwhelming um, I do definitely prefer, though, um, the way that I can 
uh, get my collectibles and level people up has has definitely been improved in this game. No more, as anyone who saw me on stream with Definitive Edition, no more endlessly going through person by person to check whether there are any badges that I can buy for them, um, which just took forever. Um, and um, I'm enjoying having a lot of side content as well because I don't really... I'm, I'm still only playing story stuff, you know, but um, the original didn't really have that side content in the same way. It was it was story. It was all story. Even the side content was was spin-off story stuff. Um, and it's nice just to have levels that I can just, you know, if I'm deciding to switch to a different character, I can just jump into some of those side content levels that aren't going to take me very long, um, you know, work through them, grind a few levels um, and go off and do what I want to do. Um, it's really good fun. It's just super good fun. <laughs> I have to say, I think um, this is one of those games that could easily have been on my game of the year list. Um, but as a game that I only received as a Christmas present less than a week ago, <laughs> yeah. um, I have not had the opportunity to play it anywhere near as much as I would need to in order to consider it for this list. So I'm <laughs> glad that somebody else did bring it up because I think it is certainly deserving of its place in this conversation. Um, and I am looking forward very much sort of in the new year to spending a lot more time playing it. And it's one of those, it really annoys me. And it's the, the person who is shall remain nameless. Um, but I saw someone on Twitter a few weeks ago saying that they felt that Nintendo had had a really bad year. And I'm just like, were you sleeping? Because like, <laughs> I mean, I had many other games besides, um, you know, given the circumstances of this year, I think they've had a, a pretty damn good year. They, what they've not delivered is a brand new Mario or a brand new Zelda, and that's what always makes people think that Nintendo's not had a good year because they haven't they haven't got their brand new Mario or Zelda. I think to count not to counter that point in the sense that I think they had a bad year. I think Nintendo had an excellent year, but for me, there were very few games released by Nintendo that I was personally interested in, which is why sure. for me. They didn't have a great year. Generally, and, and they, had ex, yeah. they had an X. They had an X. You know, you know, Xenoblade yeah. Chronicles remastered, definitive edition, great game, but not for me. Animal Crossing, great game, not for me. You know, which is undoubtedly you know, the best. Yeah, Animal Crossing, yeah. undoubtedly the best-selling game of the year. So the yes, they had a good year for me. Not you know, there there was very little that I was actually interested in. But yeah, I think Warriors maybe, I think maybe the, the poster referred to um, just annoyed me because they didn't bring that nuance to the way that they talked about it. They talked about it in very absolute terms. You're, you're um, expecting nuance, nuance on, Twitter. on Twitter. I know, I'm a fool. Um, um, Ruben, what would you like to add? I mean, the only thing I want to add uh, with that is that um, I am very glad that with Age of Calamity, I got to explore the possibly the only good and interesting part of Breath of the Wild which was the calamity um it was it was it was great being able to go and explore that thing that was teased and kind of spoken about but you never actually got to experience um in a game that was unnecessarily bloated and horrid mm -hmm. but um like age of calamity i've actually finished it i've i think i'm only missing one character which has some weird prerequisite i need to do to get them um but it's just a fundamentally enjoyable game. To echo what Will was saying, like each character feels fundamentally unique. Um, yeah. Down to the point that each one of them will use the Sheikah Slate abilities in different ways as well, which is just, mm -hmm. it's such a subtle difference, but it does change the way that you have to interact with things. So if you've got an enemy that's 
temporarily weak to the bombs, for instance. You have to know how the bombs are going to be used by that character, because if not, you will you you will miss your window of opportunity. Um, I, and... I do wonder, actually, if that has potential lore implications for the actual Breath of the World sequel, whether the abilities provided by the Sheikah Slate are somehow influenced by the personality or the person mm-hmm. that's using the slate as an aside anyway it's it's a good point because you're right because you, in breath of the world we only saw the runes on the slate being used by link mm. we didn't see anyone else using them interesting so, thing for the future sorry to just interrupt your flow there no no it's no, definitely no, an interesting thought i think i think i, I think my that, that was essentially my points finished um the only thing i do disagree with will on though is that I found the map system so much better than Hyrule Warriors, the original, had ever done anything like this. Having absolutely everything available in that game from the world map was so much cleaner and easier to use than the stupendous, overdone menu system of the original Hyrule Warriors game. I don't, and don't get me wrong, you know, I definitely would not want to see a return to menus upon menus upon menus. Um, I feel like, you know, it's good they tried something different. Um, the map works for me in some ways. It doesn't work for me in other ways. It, to me, it just feels cluttered. And that just kind of overwhelms me slightly. But um, I mean, that makes a know. change for Breath of the Wild. <laughs> um, you will note that Ruben said he really wanted this to be a, a, a positive session about... <laughs> the games of the year so he's just taking the opportunity to go back a few years for his negativity (laughs) um mark your next pick my next pick uh so this is pick number four for me um and this is ori and the will of the wisps i think uh anybody that knows me knows i i love a good metroidvania style game um I also love any game that has the ability to make me cry in the first 10 minutes, let alone multiple (laughs) times throughout its running time. Um, I think it took everything I really enjoyed about the original Ori game. Um, It improved the combat, it improved the uh, upgradability and the abilities that Ori has it's absolutely gorgeous to look at, both in still pictures and in motion. Um, I know Ruben is not a huge fan of the uh, the escape chase sequences. Um, I thought they were more forgiving slightly in this game than they were in the original. Um, and just overall, it's a beautiful game with a beautiful story um and i spent hours exploring pretty much every nook and cranny of that map to find every upgrade that i could which is you know i think the sign of a good game yeah i think so yeah. i'm i'm it's another one i'm looking forward to playing i've not played either or um, but I did, in fact, the other day get an email telling me that my my ludicrous Ori Collector's Edition is on its way to me. So as soon as it makes its way here from the States, um, I'm going to have it and looking forward to diving into them both on Switch. I've got nothing new 
to add to what Mark said at all. Um, I mean, I think the reason why the chase sequences in Will of the Wisps are more forgiving is because the checkpoint system is more forgiving in Will of the Wisps than the original. Um, yeah. And I think also you, you've got a bit more freedom about uh, kind of when and how you upgrade things like your how many times you can jump and dash and things, which I think makes it a lot easier to get across certain gaps. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a it's a heartrending game, um, more so than the original, which is astounding. I didn't think there could be. I didn't think in the sequel they'd be able to tug the heartstrings quite as well, um, but they managed to do it and mm-hmm. more. Um, and yeah, it's a fundamentally enjoyable game to play. I'm horrifically stuck in the game. I, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot work out what it is I need to do next at all. I am actually really stuck in that game. I cannot figure out what to do next. Um, so I've stopped playing as any person would. Um, but yeah, like it definitely, definitely deserves to be in this discussion for games of the year for sure. So, Ruben, your next pick. My fourth pick, and one that I know that Will specifically is. I believe it's with, third pick. Is just to check we've not jumped ahead. Is what? No, this is, is our fourth pick. It's fourth. Are we on fourth picks? Yeah. Oh yeah, you you two are ahead of me, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Ignore me. I'm a fool who doesn't understand how to count. Um, my fourth pick is Spiritfarer. Um, I have not played, uh, I mean, anyone who's not familiar with Spiritfarer, you essentially play as the Spiritfarer, um, who you're in control of a boat to basically guide spirits through their kind of last wishes before they move on to, to the, to the next life or the other side or whatever it is. Um, I've not played a game that is this chill and wholesome Uh in a very long time. Uh-huh. All you do, all you do, it's, it's essentially a farm sim, but with hugs, and that that in itself <laughs> is such a great combination. Um, literally, all you do is grow like vegetables and stuff, cook food, and hug spirits, and it is the best fucking experience if you need to chill out because nothing really happens. But yet you always have some little thing you can be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no real threat in the game that I've experienced so far in my playthrough anyway. Um, so like you can't die or suffer in any way, really. Um, and you just build little houses and little rooms on your ship for the spirits and stuff. And like it's... It, it's just it's astoundingly adorable um and anyone that has only a passing knowledge of me would not think this would be a game i would enjoy whatsoever it's it's like the it couldn't be further removed from demon souls oh yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> you're now you're now collecting the souls that have been destroyed and, and I mean that's the only thing that is peacefully taken to that afterlife <laughs> has in common is that you collect souls in both of- is that what you like in games just collecting souls I just like collecting souls that's all I like um, doesn't matter how you do it or what you do with them so long as you collect them um, but yeah it's just like 
getting to know the spirits on the ship and know what food they like, what food they don't like, uh, what is bothering them and being able to resolve those things is just such a wholesome experience. Um, and really, I have nothing more to say about the game apart from the fact this is definitely one of the ones that I'm going to continue playing into 2021. It's just, I, I just really enjoy this game. Yeah, ditto. And I know we've, we've, both, we've both come to this game relatively late in the year. Um, so I know as well, whenever I mention it, people talk about it as a real, a real tearjerker. So I'm also really interested to see where this is going to go. Mm. Um, you know, and can see some of those threads starting to dangle, but don't yet really know what we're we're going to discover about this main character. Mm. Um, you know, why why is she in this position where she's taken over from from Caron, and is 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 ferrying people across the Sea of the Dead? It's 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 a mystery. Um, yeah, you're right. It's so chill. I just love just de stress. Just like I'll just put around on my boat. I'll do some fishing. I'll do some cooking. I go and hug a spirit. Um, <laughs> I'm in love with it. I'm so in love with it. Um, and it's, it's actually also it is a really interesting sim as well, um, but quite simply done, um, and in a way that you're not kind of as you so often are in sims. You're not in that kind of that godlike position, but you're actually you're, you're an actual character within the sim interacting with it all as well, hmm. um, which is really nice. Um, it was also actually going to be my pick number four. Oh. Um, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so I think I'm not going to bother with a fourth pick because I'm too unsure of what else to add in. So I think now is a good point for us to segue into the audience choice game of the year. So as you will recall, nominated by yourselves, we had four different games of the year that we put out to a poll. They were Animal Crossing, New Horizons, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and Streets of Rage 4. And the winner, with an overwhelming 58.6%, was Animal Crossing, New Horizons. How do we both feel about that? I mean, obviously, delighted for our audience that they oh, enjoyed yeah. Animal Crossing yeah, so I much. Yeah, th- I mean... Firstly, thank you for everyone who voted and thank you yep. for everyone who contributed to the to the discussion leading up to this uh, as well, especially seeing as it was really kind of a last minute idea of ours to have an audience choice at all. Um, but like, I would not have put Animal Crossing on my games of the year, personally speaking, but I have to acknowledge the fact it was one of the games of the year. Yeah. And this is, we were, we've had this conversation already, haven't we? I... I burned out on Animal Crossing very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't actually know. When I played um, Animal Crossing New Leaf, I played it a long time after everyone else had played it, and I was kind of playing it in happy solitude and isolation. And I actually don't know, for me, whether kind of everyone playing it all at the same time and everyone showing off all of these amazing islands, and I felt like my island was just like a dump um, in comparison, kind of put me off. I just kind <laughs> of almost didn't like the social elements. I just wanted to be a little hermit. Um but I burned out on it very quickly, but probably played like 25, 30 hours. I, you know, I played a hefty chunk still. Um, but I agree with you, Ruben. I think, I think, and I've mentioned this when we talked about the Game Awards, you know, I think there is a large extent to which it is the game of the year. Um, it's not my game of the year. Um, but, you know, I think when people think back 
about 2020 and think about that strange global pandemic year, I think that Animal Crossing is a game that is inexorably going to be tied up with with what people think about. Yeah, and I I largely agree with that. I it's as I said earlier, Animal Crossing is not my kind of game. I didn't buy it. I know that if I did, I would have I would have picked it up, played it for a couple of hours, and then probably never gone back to it. Um, I don't tend to um, get on particularly well with games that don't have a a purpose or an aim or games where you set your own purpose and aim and i'm not somebody that is particularly creative either so i'm not gonna pick up animal cross and go oh i'm gonna make my island look like this and then spend six weeks getting all of the bits of furniture and land in the right place so that my island is a an exact reproduction of something else that i've seen somewhere it's just it's not my kind of thing but at the same time, I very much can see how and why it was as popular as it was in that particular moment in time. It was, mm-hmm. you know, I think what a lot of people needed, what a lot of people wanted. It was it was pure relaxing escapism. Um, mm-hmm. I might have seen it as being mundane, <laughs> but that's just my personal that's just my personal feelings on those kinds of games. But I am glad that everybody else very much enjoyed it. I mean, I spent, I, I spent like 60 hours, I think, on New Horizons. You spent a long time on it, didn't you, before you... Um, before, I burned, before I burned out. Um, but, I mean, my, my biggest... Because, uh, like, I know that a lot of people love this game. And um, it's... I, and I can definitely see why. Uh, but for me, as a fan of the series, I mean, it's, um, it's very... Um, clear uh from the fact that i have like 55 50 to 60 hours on new horizon but my playtime on new leaf on 3ds is i think close to 300 um for me personally speaking new horizon felt like a step forward but two steps back um in that they improved some things but then massively detrimented others um the social thing, for instance, was so poorly implemented in yeah. New Horizon. If it was any, if if the, I, I think, I think actually with all of the improvements on New Horizon, I think it would have easily been on my game of the year if the online and social aspects were better. Especially shown to be so broken when when someone had a massive turnip price spike, and everyone's trying to visit their island, and it takes you like seven years to get off their island because every time someone new arrives it makes you all sit and watch a little cutscene of the new person arriving and you're like i just want to get off the island i mean like those things are are cute don't get me wrong it's nice to have that sort of like in-universe way and reason why things are working the way they are but it was just such a palaver um and such a painstakingly slow thing uh an unskippable thing as well but yeah um yeah because there was so much i loved about that game which is why i spent 60 hours on it like there's there's so much i loved about that game the full character customization this time around as opposed to randomized character from the previous games fucking brilliant but like there's just so much that lets it down um but as we've all said already like there is no denying that 
based on sales, based on critical reception, based on just how much it was being spoken about, this was a game of the year, easily. Yeah. And I'm really interested to see what those those sales are going to be like when Nintendo Next publish their financials uh, just after the end of January, because we've we've not seen a full year of that game being on sale yet. It's sold so many. It's not had a Christmas in the sales figures that we've been given yet. Um, I think it's going to be astonishing how many it's sold. Um, it's going to be off the charts. So that was your game of the year as our audience choice. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much to all of you who put in nominations, voted, and joined the discussion. Um, so shall we move on to each of our personal games of the year? Um, and let's keep it the way we've been going and start with you, Mark. Okay, I think this choice may be somewhat left field. Um, I know I have mentioned this game before, but I don't necessarily know if either of you will see this choice coming. Um, My personal game of the year is the Command & Conquer Remastered Collection. Ooh, interesting. And I think it's a combination of elements for me. I think first there is, I fully admit, there is very much a, a nostalgia element to it. In a year where things have been particularly difficult for everybody, um, you know, having something that reminded me of uh, kind of my childhood, uh, I played a lot of the original Command and Conquer and a lot of the original Red Alert, sort of what sort of age, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, whenever it was that they came out. Um, and this remastered collection came out well it flew very much under the radar it came out in june it, you know it's real time strategy these game real time strategy games these days are quite niche they really only exist on pc um mm-hmm. uh so you know it's not the kind of game that got a big marketing push but i and particularly for it to be a game that came from ea of all companies um <laughs> There was a lot of love put into this remaster. I think, you know, similar into the way that uh, Ruben mentioned um, Demon Souls earlier. Um, you know, there was a lot of love for the source material. It was, you know, the remaster was done by a lot of the people that worked on the original games. Uh, the 4K upscaled graphics uh, are just beautiful to look at. Um, but the fact that you can you can tap the space bar and you can you can view the original graphics as they were back in the '90s is a nice little touch. Um, they've added a whole bunch of little quality of life improvements uh, to sort of modernise the experience, particularly on the original Command and Conquer versus Red Alert. Um, the music, the soundtrack for Command and Conquer has always been banging. It's yep. got some great tracks in there. I think. Um, I think I know you're not a fan of real-time strategy games, Ruben, but I think you'd get a kick out of the soundtrack. Um, and the other thing is those FMV sequences, just delightfully cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> I love nothing more than a cheesy FMV uh, mission briefing uh, between the missions. I think they need to make a comeback. It's time for those to make a comeback. <laughs> um. I mean, I've I've also played um, some of the Command and Conquer Remastered collection. 
Um, I similarly have nostalgia for those games. Um, so I've really enjoyed dipping back into them. Um, I've probably only played like five or six hours. I've not played a massive amount. Um, it's another one of those that I kind of got into and then just abandoned along the way. Um, I agree. It looks beautiful. Um, it still plays brilliantly. Um, Christ Alive Command and Conquer itself is so much more difficult than I seem oh, to have yeah. any recollection of. I, um, I can just tell you, by the way, I've played uh, 56 hours. <laughs> yeah, well, and the other thing I was going to say, Mark, was that you, you did say, you know, this might come a bit left field to you. It might come a bit left field to our listeners. Um, but I think certainly Ruben, myself, um, the rest of the Catboys have noticed frequently enough that Mark has been popping up as online on Discord saying playing Command and Conquer. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe a little bit of a giveaway of which way you're going to be leaning. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoy it. I think it's fun. Um, and I do like real-time strategy. I know that, as you say, it's quite niche. And I think, I, you know, I think for me, it's it's the clear love that the developers had for this game that put into this remastered collection. They went above and beyond to try and do everything they could to improve those kind of VGA resolution FMV sequences. Mm-hmm. You know, they tried, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, they did a bunch of documentaries leading up to the release of this game about how they were improving every aspect, you know, the graphics, the sound, they re-recorded all of the audio, remastered it all. And they really wanted to go back to the original source recording and, and take these, these video, these FMV videos and provide HD remastering of it all. Um, and just you know, through being bought by EA and shut down, you know, the, the original recordings were lost. So they, they ended up having to to use AI upscaling to do as best the job they could with these videos. Um, uh, so, I mean, from that element, that, that kind of one thing is a bit of a shame, but what else could they do? But I think that's all I have to say. It's just a brilliant, you know, anybody that loves a real-time strategy game, if you've never played the original Command & Conquer games, go back and have a look because that's, you know, I'm not saying that they're the first real-time strategy game, but they, you know, it's certainly where a lot of modern conventions come from. And I think mm-hmm. it's really, you know, and I think they've held, although being, although quite difficult in some places, um, they've held up surprisingly well. Thank you, Mark. Um Ruben, I, it's your time for your game of the year. Um, I think we're all expecting to be hearing something similarly left field and utterly surprising from you. What is it? Well, I have a feeling you might be disappointed <laughs> if that's what you're Ruben, expecting. Ruben, are you going to pick Cyberpunk? <laughs> oh, fuck it, could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> um, on PS4. You like you just enjoy like the stop mo- stop motion animation of it. Yeah, I I love stop motion. Um, I like my games broken. Um, no, my game of the year is and is is part two of the Ruben is predictable train. Hades, of course, it's fucking Hades. Um, there has not been a game this year, full stop, that I have played as much as that game, or I have returned to as much as that game. I've played it, no word of a lie, for the last few weeks, I've played it every single fucking day. Um, <laughs> of which I of which, of which, which I jump in, I do a run, whether that run is a success or a failure, I do a run, and then I just put the game down, come back to it the next day, do the same. Um, 
I must be on somewhere around the region of about 90 plus runs of that game. Wow. Um, of which 60 of those are on Switch alone. Um, they're, 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 I cannot rave about this game more. Like, it's it's a roguelite, but it's not a typical roguelite that because you don't lose everything. Like, roguelites have this this kind of reputation, of which it is, to be fair, an understandable reputation of the fact that, like, if you lose, you lose, and you lose everything. Hades doesn't have that. You You keep progress every single time, and every single run, you gain something. Whatever that happens to be, whether you gain enough whether you gain enough keys to get a new weapon whether you gain enough darkness to be able to unlock a new permanent ability whether you you gain this new boon you didn't know was there that you can that that boosts your running gets you past that next boss gets you past that next chamber um or just the fact that each death brings you back to the house of hades and there's new dialogue for every character who usually have something to say about your last run um the characters you met, the weapons you got, the boons you got. There's so much dialogue. There's so much content. There's so many weapons, so many boons, so many abilities. The, the game is fucking huge for what it looks like. Um, I've still not got everything. Mark, who I know has been playing it, still doesn't have everything. Um, no, I, and and I know we're near 90 things. runs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And, like, you reach a point, as I have in the game, where you have particular gods that you favour that have boons that just gel so well with your playstyle. Um, mm-hmm. And you have weapons that are your preferred weapons because they gel so well with your playstyle. Um, but having a weapon that doesn't gel with your playstyle isn't the end of the world. Um, it's not like other roguelites where the what you start with is not only randomly determined, but also can make or break a run. That is not the case in Hades whatsoever. Firstly, you choose the weapon you start with, which is a massive benefit, I think, and also makes the game far more palatable. Um, But also, your weapon isn't the make or break of your run either. You You can pull stuff shit out of the bag just by having the right boons. Um... And there are some fucking great boons. There genuinely is. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what everyone's favorite weapons or gods or whatever are. Um, but like, my least favorite weapon is the gloves. I cannot fucking use that weapon for my life. But in my run yesterday, I ended up getting a what was it? I ended up getting. I, I used the aspect, which means that your special attack draws enemies into you. And then I got an upgrade for the weapon, which meant that after I land from doing that attack, I have a area of effect around myself <laughs> when I land after that attack. And then I got a Zeus spoon, which means that after using my after using that attack, the lightning strikes the area that I've done the attack in. And that's three attacks in one single move that I just got just because I ended up getting the right shit. And I ended up succeeding in the run because... Every single time I was doing the special, I was hitting three times um, and drawing the enemy into me. It's just absurd what you can do in that game with the limited uh, faculties. And also, Greek mythology, always a win. Also, also, 
polyamorous relationships are great. <laughs> um, I'm st- I'm still working on the Thanatos love thing that you have with Zagreus because Zagreus and Thanatos clearly have a kind of weird energy there, like from the first time you meet him, and you can you fucking could t- romance him. You can cut the sexual tension with a knife between those you, two characters. You so fucking can. Like from the first meeting, you're just like, oh, they're banging. Um, and you could just build that up. You just build up that relationship between the two of them. And I'm so close. I've got like two hearts left to fill out on the Thanatos thing. But Thanatos shows up so like irregularly in that game. Uh, I'm just trying to get him to appear so I can just give him potions and just make him love me. Um, and... Be my boyfriend. Yeah, but please be my boyfriend. <laughs> Here, have some nectar. Um, it's it's just such a good get. And everyone's hot. Everyone. All the male characters, all the female, they're all hot. Um, it's just such an easy to love game. Uh, the music's great. The visuals are great. The gameplay is great. The I'm going to be talking about this game for years. I can see it. I have to say, I this was very much a game that would be on my um, game of the year list as well. Um, and the only reason it wasn't was because I just couldn't steal it away from Ruben. I felt like... <laughs> <laughs> that would have been like peak trolling if I felt yeah, like, I mean, I would first have... game, Mark? And you went, Hades! And Ruben went, oh, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> so that is that is really the only reason that that game did not appear on my list is because I knew how desperately Ruben would have wanted to talk about it. So I left that to him. And mine, I've already confessed this to Ruben. Um, mine is I enjoyed my time I spent with it. It's probably not the game for me to draw me in anywhere near as much as it's drawn you to it. So, but I can see why people like it. Um, including you'd be hard Chris. pressed. You'd be hard pressed I'd to be... enjoy it as much as I have. You really would be. <laughs> uh, well, lovely Chris says that it's a beautiful game that you can pick up and put down when you like. The story is compelling. The gameplay enticing and challenging with the different weapons, boons, and bosses. The art of voice acting is superb. Also, Zagreus drool emoji. Um, yeah, Zag- Zagreus is one. I, I can quite happily say this with very minimal thought put into it. Zagreus is one of, if not the hottest protagonist that has ever been in a video game. And I mean that both literally and figuratively, because obviously he walks and he leaves fireprints wherever he goes. So he is literally <laughs> the hottest character to have ever been in a video game. Like, they did so well with the design of that character. Not only is he visually hot, but also the voice acting is phenomenally attractive. Um, Mike, just, yeah, we need to move on because I will not stop talking about this game. So that was Ruben's game of the year, Hades. (laughs) Um, Who'd have seen that coming? Um, So finally, uh, we're on to my game of the year. Um... I don't know whether or not it will surprise you. It might come across as a bit left field. Um, It certainly surprised me because it was a game that um, at first I had decided that I wasn't necessarily interested and wasn't going to pick up. Um, My game of the year is a Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. Oh, that is super interesting. Yes. 
That is not something I would... I mean, that that's as left field as my pick, I have to say. Mm. <laughs> um, it's just fun. I mean, like, I think this is the number one thing. I I just had so much fun with Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. Um, I, I love the Kingdom Hearts universe already, which is clearly very helpful. Um, and almost in, you know, in some ways in the same way that... Um, you know, we've talked in the past about Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition being a love letter to Zelda. This feels like a bit of a love letter to Kingdom Hearts because we're going on a tour through all of Kingdom Hearts, um, including all of its absolutely amazing score. Um, so we get to have banger after banger in the Kingdom Hearts sense um, coming through. Um, and it's really, actually, the thing that surprised me the most is is the reason that I thought that I didn't want it, wasn't going to get on with it, is because it was and is um, a rhythm action game. And I guess really the only place I've, I've ever properly experienced rhythm action games is as um, little bonus mini games, And they piss my day off normally. I'll be very clear. Even, even, um, even Nomura's own action rhythm minigames have a habit of pissing me off. The section in Kingdom Hearts 3, when I was in the Kingdom of Corona entangled and had to do a little dancing action rhythm game, annoyed the life out of me. Um, and yet this game surprised me because I found it so much fun. Um, I loved um, the way that um, on every level you can get three... Um, I'm trying to think of the right word. There's like three objectives for every level to get... Um, to get stars, three stars, that's the word that you're after. Well, <laughs> um, you can get three stars on every level um, tied to different objectives. Um, it actually specifically starts tying those objectives to different difficulty levels as well. So it really got me going and playing and learning how to play some of those songs in Rhythm Action on Proud Mode, um, which is, you know, just that sense of satisfaction when you've tried 10 times over on this song to try and hit whatever it might be, every simultaneous enemy um, that there is, um, and you finally achieve it on Proud Mode, the sense of satisfaction that's there is amazing. Um, yeah, I just I just had lots and lots of fun. Um, and then, as a bonus, right at the end, there's some new Kingdom Hearts story, um, and I still don't really understand what was going on in it, um, which makes it peak Kingdom Hearts. Um, I just warms my little soul. I just two observations. Um, one, I think we've all been living in the kingdom of Corona this year. Um, <laughs> secondly, um, you've picked a Nomura game as your game of the year, Will. I know, right? Yeah. Who saw that coming? I need to go and, no I need to go and shower after this because I feel dirty. See, you hear it like I, I think I've said this to you before, but hearing you talk about Melody of Memory makes me want to play it. Um, you played the demo. I am. I did play the demo, um, and I did enjoy it. Um, the because I like rhythm action games, generally speaking, anyway. Uh, so, like yeah. Elite Beat Agents is a great game. The uh, Persona Persona dancing games are fucking brilliant. Um, I mean, my only prerequisite, really, in enjoying a rhythm action game is: do I like the score of the thing that this is doing? <laughs> um, and like the Persona dancing games are such a great example because Persona has such great music. Um, yeah. So I will be picking up Melody of Memory at some point. I did not expect it to be your game of the year. 
or whatsoever. I, uh, I, I mean, if we went back 12 months and said to Will of 12 months ago, what is your game of the year going to be? Um, I quite possibly would have picked the other Nomura game. And yet it was Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory that I've ended up picking. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't have anything to add simply because I've not played it, uh, apart from the demo, but I did really enjoy the demo. So, um, and I do, even if I find Kingdom Hearts frustrating in a lot of ways, um, one thing I know and think is always of a great quality is the soundtracks. Because Yoko yeah. Shimomura is fucking amazing so yep. um every action game set in the kingdom hearts universe is a win-win for me it's just just mm-hmm. it's just happened to be a game that i've not picked up that's all yeah i think i think you know we've mentioned we've often mentioned gripes out the way my kind of singular gripe um is i hate the boss stages um for anyone who hasn't seen it um and, and you can see it if you go and look at my stream stuff you'll find some of it um in in the normal stages you are very much running along a track um, and you get used to seeing stuff coming up ahead of you and knowing what buttons you're going to press and when and, and how it's going to work. Um, in the boss stages, it's kind of like this musical score that's like spiraling around and there's a background image with the camera moving loads and suddenly there are different buttons that you can press that just don't exist in the normal stages and it just all feels like it's there just to disorientate you um, and to make it feel more difficult. Um, and I could burn through stages and get to a bus stage and get really stuck. Um, and it just felt like it's because it was it was handled in a different way. It just really threw me for six. Um, but that's a small gripe. Your description, you know, I had so your description of that, your description of that reminds me of the rhythm action segment in Seven Remake. Yeah, it was. It was which like was one of the most, which is one of the most poorly <laughs> implemented rhythm action segments I've ever fucking definitely, seen. Definitely, definitely. That was that not clear. The, that's what the boss sections were like. And, you know, that section in that rhythm action section in Final Fantasy seven, um, that one frustrated me because there's this amazing scene playing out. And I really kind of wanted to be focusing on this amazing scene that's playing out, but I'm too busy trying to make sure I'm going to see the, I'm going to see the, the button prompts that are appearing to make sure I know what I'm going to do. Um, I think kind of my final thought as well is, um, it's no surprise to anyone who knows me that I like, um, I like puzzle games, you know, I like this kind of repetitive that I'm, I can go very, very in for, you know, all anyone has to do is look at how much Picross I play, um, to know that I quite like being absorbed in something that's quite repetitive. Um, and I think, you know, for me personally, with the kind of year I've had, um, with the kind of journey I've been on for my mental wellbeing, um, it maybe doesn't surprise me that in retrospect, that a game that I've ended up picking as my game of the year is a game that I think is a real exercise in mindfulness because it's one of those games that requires me to focus so purely on the game and what I'm doing, as everyone on my stream saw when they saw Will's thinking face, um, that actually is probably quite good for me mentally. There's the deep moment. There we go. There's the deep moment. God, there we go. Rhythm action games note. can improve your mental health. So says Will Fletcher. What a good note to end on. That's a that's a beautiful way to end. Because um, for for benefit of um, clarity, we are actually recording on New Year's Eve. Uh, this episode won't be released on New Year's Eve. But like 2020 has not, at time of retor- recording, finished yet. So 
depending on time zone really of choice. Yes. <laughs> hmm. um, so yeah, that's. I think that's a good note to end. And also, one mm. thing, if 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 you both don't mind me pointing out, it seems that all three of us have chosen our games of the year on very specific criteria. So like. Wills have been fun. Fun was the mm-hmm. main, yeah. Fun was the main prerequisite for his. Mine was kind of impact. So the games mm-hmm. that I have ended up picking were games that have impacted my whole year. So like Hades and If Found and Spiritfarer. And Marks are just left field choices <laughs> that no one would have possibly seen coming. Um, no, Mark seems to be nostalgia, unless I'm mistaken. There's a lot of games that have that sort of nostalgic feeling to them or have yeah. a nostalgic element. I think you're probably right, actually, yes. It's just interesting. It's just, inter- I just, it's yeah. just an observation I just made during the thing that we've all, we all have very... We, I mean, I didn't, in, I didn't come, go into my picks with that in mind. It's just my picks have ended up being that way. Um, just interesting. Just an interesting observation definitely and you know i think it also bears mentioning there's a load of games you've not mentioned some of them they're games that we've played that we've not mentioned some of them they're games that we've not played that we've not mentioned uh you know this is this is where we're at with our games of the year on the basis of what we have played Mm -hmm. um and there are other other wonderful games out there that hopefully we're going to enjoy some more of over time yeah, 2020, um, 2020 has been a great year for games, if if, if nothing else, yeah. which I think nothing else is probably accurate. Um, 2020 has been a very good year for games. I mean, like there there are multiple games I've got written down in the in my games of the year list that I would consider to be games of the year, but I just not even my games of the year or would not come close to a top 10. It's just been a very yeah. good year for that. Well, I think all you have to do is look as well. We've 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 not had a lot of overlap. Um, and with our audience choice thrown in there as well, we've discussed 15 different games. Yeah, yeah. That, is, yeah. that is a sign of a good year. And I think also, just because we haven't necessarily, you know, picked your game of the year, it doesn't mean we, dis- you know, disagree with your personal choice. You know, there's a lot of games that just all three of us haven't played this year that had mm. we picked them up may well have made our own list. But... You know, we all we each only have a, a finite, dedicated amount of time that we can spend playing games. Um, yeah, and some of us dedicate most of that time to Final Fantasy fourteen, <laughs> which makes it difficult to fit anything else in. Um, which actually, I will just mention because I did have it in my in my honourable mentions, and we did have it mentioned by one person, Ben, in the nominations mentioned Final Fantasy fourteen as well. And I just want to say, you know, it's not really necessarily a game of this year. Um, because there's not actually been an expansion out, but boy, what a year that game has had. Um, if mm. you look at the, the content that's come to it this year, it's been astonishing. Yeah, agreed. There we go. Also, we almost, get Final almost, in there somehow. Almost a guaranteed, like, the, the, they would have to do something spectacularly fucking wrong for the next expansion to not be on my games of the year next year. I'm, I'm calling that not, now. I mean, quite possibly for... for not for at least two of us to be fighting for it to be taking the top spot. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. <laughs> there might be more overlap next year, folks. Um, but thank you so much for for joining us. Thank you so much for for listening. Thank you so much for nominating and voting and, and joining in this discussion. And 
do continue the discussion with us. You know, if you've got thoughts, let us know on our Twitter at queers at play, um, or you can come and let us know in our Discord, discord.queersatplay.com. Or if you really want to share some lengthy thoughts with us in private, drop us an email at queersatplaypod at gmail.com. Um, it's been great. And I think we will see you all in 2021. Well, I guess you're listening to us already in 2021, but we're not there yet because of weird time, time. stuff. <laughs> Tell us what it's like. <laughs> Tell us what 2021 is like. Is th- are things better? They can't be worse. <laughs>